Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we are going to be continuing on the Zen Stoic intentions and delusions. So in the last episode, we talked about the intention of embrace and the delusion of resistance. As a reminder, these intentions and delusions are the core of Zen Stoic philosophy. And in these episodes, these are a special edition where I'm going to be breaking down exactly what they are. And if you recall from the previous episode, the whole idea of the intentions and delusions is for it to act as a self-governing system that will allow you to examine the very thing that you can never hide from yourself, which is your intention and your reason for why you are saying or doing the things that you're doing. This is ultimately the first step to self-acceptance, and self-acceptance leads us into the place of unshakable inner peace where we're able to keep our center no matter how difficult things can get around us. Keep in mind, as I record these episodes, this is the very first time that I'm sharing this with the public. I've been using and workshopping these intentions and delusions in my coaching practice with my clients, been discussing them with colleagues. So this is a constant iteration of this philosophy, but this is the very first thing that is rooted in both Zen and Stoicism, but is its own original philosophy. This is what makes Zen Stoicism different from Zen or Stoicism, and brings it into modern discussions in a very practical way that will not just capture the rationality and logic of Stoicism that will help us make better decisions and be better people in our communities, but also captures the purity of mind and presence that Zen brings. Because in each of the intentions, that is the state that we experience when we're operating out of an intention that is rooted in humanity versus an intention that is rooted in delusion. So in today's episode, we're going to be going through the intention of understanding and the delusion of control. One thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about these intentions and delusions is that they're not necessarily opposites. They are counterparts to one another. When you think about the intentions and delusions, there is a meta component of them and then one of subjective practicality, meaning that it's a personal experience and one that you can action and use. But there is a meta outlook or objective view on each of these intentions and how you have to view and how you may view the world based on which one you're operating in. So we'll get into them now. So we'll begin with the intention of understanding. Now, the intention of understanding is that whatever you're going to say and do, you're coming from the intention of seeking to understand, meaning you're coming from a place of curiosity. You're coming from a place of a beginner's mind, which is a very important concept in Zen, is to approach things with a beginner's mind, not a mind that is riddled with expectations and assumptions about the world. So having the intention of understanding is to approach life with that beginner's mind, no matter how accomplished or experienced you may be. It means to lead with curiosity in all situations and interactions with others rather than expectation. And it seeks to appreciate the situation of another person or an event before jumping to conclusions. So understanding is to treat others justly and through compassion and empathy. In other words, when you approach people, when you're in interactions with people, when you're in conflict with people, you're coming from a place of curiosity empathy, seeking to understand the person across from you rather than jumping into judgment or jumping to conclusions. So it's about prioritizing making others feel heard and understood rather than demanding to be understood by others. 
Understanding is having the patience with others to bear with them in the process of their learning. It's very much like Marcus Aurelius said. If you can't teach them, then endure them. Have patience with others, but be strict with yourself. And the standard in which you're being strict with yourself when you're coming from the intention of understanding is the standard of, I'm going to be strict myself to keep myself in a place of curiosity, in a place of empathy and compassion for the people around me. The one who intends to understand can always read the room through their own sensory acuity. They, they're not tone deaf to the social interactions that are going on around them. When you're in that state of understanding, you know when it's appropriate to give advice or to help somebody else. And you also are aware when others are unreceptive to your help because you can feel what other people are feeling. Understanding is coming from that place of empathy. So the one who intends to understand is not trying to hurry anyone along or impose any beliefs or ways of being onto others. It's about finding strength in flexibility of getting to know others, about asking questions, about being curious. So ultimately, understanding is to empty your cup. Like Bruce Lee said, be formless, shapeless like water. You put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. So think of it the way that Bruce Lee said it. Understanding is basically being like water. It is being formless and shapeless. It is about being fluid through life, fluid through your interactions. It's about taking your responsibility for your role in things and coming from a place where you're self-aware of your own actions and your own understanding to consider how what you're doing or saying might make others feel and acknowledging the potential for negative assumptions that other people might have. So again, the real core of this is empathy. When we talked about embrace earlier, embrace is to look at things through the lens of life being a gift and everything in it being a gift. So it's basically coming from a place of gratitude, whereas understanding is coming from this place of curiosity. It's coming from this place of empathy and compassion for others. So there's a very human element here when it comes to the connection between you and other people. Now to consistently improve the intention of understanding within yourself or at least your connection to it, it's about consistently practicing self-reflection to develop your own character. It's to understand that there's no positive or negative emotions, there are only emotions. Now they may be pleasant and unpleasant like we've talked about in previous episodes, but understanding seeks to harmonize and communicate with the emotions rather than to try to control them, distract them, or dismiss them. Understanding is going to sit with the emotions and be present to the feelings rather than trying to immediately get rid of them. Most of all, understanding is about trying to figure out what the intention is behind actions, behaviors, rules, processes, without getting lost in how they're being carried out. It's about being flexible and being able to change your approach. And if you do need to break a rule, understanding is about first getting in touch with why the rule was put up. Right, we've talked about with previous guests on the podcast, if you're going to take down a fence, you need to know why the fence was put up in the first place. You don't want to take it down before that. And understanding is about not just looking at the outward result of something, but actually getting in touch with the intention of why, it, why that result is what it is. So this is what it means to come from a place of understanding. Now, we do want to keep in mind, though, understanding doesn't mean simply accepting anything and everything mindlessly. It's also to recognize 
when something is crossing your boundaries and, and being understanding of yourself in that situation. So ultimately, understanding is coming from that place of empathy, compassion, curiosity, and living with the beginner's mind, emptying your cup, being flexible, and avoiding rigidity, which brings us to the delusion of control, which is the counterpart to understanding. Now, control means attempting to control things outside of your influence. So it leads with expectation. It's not open to anything that conflicts with the preconceived expectations that it has because control is all about seeking certainty and reassurance. It's trying to remove curiosity and ambiguity. It doesn't seek to appreciate that which causes the person uncertainty in their original agenda. So control is to have a full cup. It's to have too much arrogance, pride, or fear to empty that cup. And control refuses to ever be a beginner at something, even in the stuff that it doesn't fully understand. Control is always trying to put up a front and act like it's more sure than it is. It's about operating from a sense of conviction. And the people that delude themselves with control are often the same people that are easily influenced by somebody's certainty, even if that person is not speaking in a way that actually makes logical sense. One thing to keep in mind about control is that when two people are are in an interaction and there's a connection and there's some kind of rapport, whoever is more certain is going to influence that interaction. They're going to lead the interaction. And if somebody is consistently in that loop of intending control over their lives, They're going to be more susceptible to be swayed by simply a person's level of conviction. So when you are deluded by control, you respond to that which is more certain than you are in any given situation. And that's a totally human thing to do. However, it will prevent you from seeing whether something makes logical sense. There are a lot of salesmen and charlatans and people selling stuff that they're not really making much sense. There's a lot of political pundits out there, social media influencers, religious leaders who are speaking with this sense of conviction that are influencing people. And a lot of the time, they're not even really making sense. So if you're very invested into the delusion of control, if you're intending on controlling the things in your life and finding a sense of certainty in an uncertain world constantly and deluding yourself in that way, you will become more susceptible to other people having a higher level of conviction or certainty or delusion of control themselves. So remember, the soul that attempts to control is interested in manipulation of others in order to serve its own agenda. It attempts to manipulate the emotions of others for its own gain, and it attempts to know what others are feeling. And if it's wrong about its assumptions about how somebody might feel, then it's likely to be dismissive of the person's feelings and not acknowledge them, not try to understand them. If it's right about its assumptions on how someone else feels, it will use the emotions of the individual and exploit them to gain traction in their own agenda. So control is heavily invested in being right above all else, and it imposes its belief on others, regardless of whether or not they're receptive to it. If control is, if somebody is intending to control and they're in an argument with somebody else, the person who wants control wants to win for the sake of winning just because they want to, in other words, dominate that situation. Whether they're objectively right or wrong, they're going to act like they're right out of the need for control, which kind of ties us back into that previous example of 
a person, even if they're speaking illogically and irrationally and not really making much sense, if they're speaking with a sense of conviction and certainty, sometimes they're going to influence other people who are also deluded by this intention of control. Because control is not about getting the facts right. The facts don't matter. If the facts add, <clears throat> if the facts of the situation serve the agenda or the narrative of the individual who's seeking control, they will add them to their case. And if not, they'll brush them off or bring up other facts, sometimes irrelevant facts, as a form of countering or deterring attention away from that which infringes upon the person's agenda who seeks control. So control is a highly emotional state and comes from a place of insecurity and uncertainty about life itself. And typically, somebody who is intending control and in this delusion of control will present themselves as highly logical and rational, but in reality, that logic and rationality is completely based on biases, prejudices, insecurities, and carefully curated logic that serves the agenda of the individual who's espousing it. So less advanced presentations of control typically will look like immaturity, obnoxiousness, or a tantrum-like behavior to the outside observer. But a lot of people who are deluded by control and they practice this over and over again and they become somewhat of an expert at it will come off as highly logical and rational or maybe even blunt in their communication, but the reality is this is a way that they cover up their own insecurities. The point is, this is an intention that you cannot lie to yourself from. One example that this typically will come up with in life is usually in a parent-child relationship, where the parent wants, they say they want the best for the child, so they try to impose their model of the world or their agenda for what, what they think this child should do with their lives as they grow up. Maybe it's to go to a certain school, to study a certain subject, to get a specific type of job, to live in a specific location. And the parent might say, I want this because I want the best for you. But the reality is that parent is deluding themselves with that intention because they're not understanding maybe what that child wants to actually do with their lives or what's actually important to them because they're not engaging in that intention of being curious and appreciative and having a sense of empathy for the person or for their child rather. Instead, they're trying to control. So while they are claiming on the outside that this is a positive or a good intention, the reality is the intention is coming from that sense of uncertainty and in order for somebody who wants control to gain some sense of certainty, it's important for others to do things in the way that they believe they should be done. So they cannot hide that part from themselves. And for the most part, on the outside, it's pretty obvious when somebody is trying to control you or when you see somebody trying to control their child or control their, their decisions. They say it's coming from a good place, but the reality is they're not necessarily understanding and instead they're trying to impose their way upon their child. Because what, what we want to remember is that the one who seeks control projects their insecurities and faults onto others consistently as a form of protection from their own self-image. As a form of protection to their own self-image. They judge in others what they hide from themselves. They defer blame of anything or anyone besides them. Never taking ownership or responsibility. Always trying to control the narrative and putting themselves in a righteous place. They don't take any responsibility or ownership for any wrongdoing unless, of course, it somehow gives them more control to do so <clears throat> via manipulating another person's emotion through almost like a false way of owning up to their stuff for the purpose of getting the other person to lower their guard, right? That's another form of control, but it can show up in so many different ways. And we want to be able to see that. 
not just in other people, but also in ourselves. If we fail to take ownership for something, if we fail to see another person's point of view, and instead we want to immediately jump to how we feel about a situation, then in that interaction, we are intending control. We are deluding ourselves with that intention because the reality is we cannot control how this person thinks and feels. What we can control is our ability to be understanding, to be curious, to ask questions and empty our cup and not pretend that we know everything or project our expectations onto the person that we're speaking to. Lastly, when it comes to control, one thing that you may notice, whether this is in yourself or another person, is that if you're engaged in this delusion, if what you're really and truly intending is to have a sense of control and certainty, it's very easy to engage in ideological fixation, which is basically the blind faith in teachings, policy, tradition, knowledge, etc. Things that are essentially pointing to truth without consideration for the intention or objective result that's actually occurring. So it's enforcing rules without considering what the rule's intention is. And the thinking style is highly dogmatic and is unwilling to question what you are presented with unless, of course, it violates one's sense of control over itself or others. So the thing to remember about this is that a person who is deluding themselves with control is the same person that mistakes the teachings for being the truth or the finger pointing at the moon for being the moon itself. We've talked about this theme many times in the podcast, but the finger pointing at the moon is not the moon. If you, and if you concentrate on the finger or the pointing mechanism towards the moon, you'll begin to think that the finger is the moon. And of course, this is a metaphor for the teachings pointing to the truth. The teachings themselves are not the truth. They merely point to it. And the person who is deluding themselves with control often tries to convince themselves and others that the teachings themselves are the truth. And that is why they engage in a highly dogmatic style of thinking. Now, a person who is engaging in this level of control or this delusion of control is often going to have a significant amount of stress. They're going to have anger. They're going to have frustration with others because they're living their life in a place of needing things to be going in a certain way and, and controlling the narrative of how they feel as well as how other people feel. A person who deludes themselves with, with control believes that they can control the emotions of themselves and the emotions of others, not realizing that what they're doing is they're simply engaging in resistance at that point of their own emotions, of the emotions of others, and them thinking that they can control it is putting them into that place of delusion which creates that unnecessary and excessive suffering. So, when if you find yourself deluding yourself with control, things that you can ask yourself are things like, what can I, again, what can I appreciate about this situation? What am I not seeing here? What else could this mean? How might this person feel? Is this something that's really in my control? What can I control? And what can I let go? These are the questions that will allow you to engage in this style of thinking that will loosen the control. It will allow you to empty your cup, become more flexible, become like water, and put yourself into that intention of understanding, of being curious. And instead of trying to make definitive statements in your life, you start to ask empowering questions, thought-provoking questions, questions that open up your mind rather than close it off, rather than try to harden it. 
you want to remain flexible. If you're going to have a sense of inner peace, if you're going to be able to self-examine yourself, the situations in your life, the people in your life, you must come from a place of understanding, a place of flexibility, a place where you are like water. So keep these questions in mind and stay tuned for next week where we are going to continue the intentions and delusions. And the next ones that we're going to be going into is the intention of discipline and the delusion of expediency. Stay tuned for next week's episodes.